Let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, if you're able to stand with me this morning for the reading of God's Word. Hebrews 11, starting with verse number 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him, for before his translation he had this testimony, that he pleased God." But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you look down to verse number 39 of Hebrews 11. All these, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. And then Hebrews 12 and verse number 1 uh, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for your word, and I pray that you would bless it to our hearts this morning. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would work through the word of God in every heart, whether those sitting here this morning or those watching on the live stream now, or those that will watch this later. Uh, Father, I pray that your word would work mightily in every heart. And uh, Father, we thank you for what you'll do, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Here in our text this morning, verses 1 through 5, verse number 39, Hebrews 12, verse 1. We see a, a thought, a subject concerning our testimony. In John 21, verse 24, uh, John said, these, uh, This is the disciple that which testifieth of these things, and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. We know that his testimony is true. Now, the word testimony is a very important word uh, that we see throughout the Bible. And we'll look at uh, some examples before we focus in on the main subject this morning. But how important a good testimony is. The word itself, uh, we see in our text, verses 11, or 1 through 5 of Hebrews 11, the word, we, we, in verse number 2, it speaks about a good report. 
that by it, by faith, the elders obtained a good report. In verse number four, it speaks of Abel offering a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, which he obtained witness that he was righteous. He obtained witness. Even God testifying of his gifts, and by it, by his witness, uh, he being dead, yet speaketh. Your testimony can live long after you're gone. How important that is. It says that before his translation, before Enoch's translation, that he had this testimony that he pleased God. In verse number 3 and 9, it says they obtained a good report. That's, that's a testimony. They obtained a good report uh, through faith. And then in 12 verse 1, it says that we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. And that word witness is that same word we, get, we translate the word for testimony. We have a great cloud of witnesses around us, those that have had a good testimony through faith. And since we have such a great testimony of those that have, are living around us and that have lived before us, because of that, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience that race that is set before us. Let us live a life that will have a good testimony, a good uh, confession before men. We consider our testimonies this morning. Uh, Last year, I'm not sure exactly when it was, I didn't, didn't look at the date, I spoke of writing out your testimony, your testimony of salvation, writing that out, uh, if for nothing else, just for yourself, that you can uh, get a grasp of what God has done. We consider uh, the simplest concept of what, what your testimony is, your testimony of salvation is, if you're going to write it out, if you're going to have, have an outline of that, it's a what I was. What God did and, and what I am now. <laughs> Consider what you were uh, prior to your salvation. Whether you were saved as an adult, whether you were saved as a child, uh, what you were was lost and on your way to hell. Uh, but God did something. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And Christ came and died for you, took upon himself your sins, died on the cross for you. He was bruised for your iniquities. He was chastised for because of you, because of your sins, and, and he died for you, and you trusted in that, God saved you, and now you are called to be a saint. And now you have a home in heaven, and what a testimony that is. Every single person has a, a testimony to share. You say, well, mine was a, a fantastic testimony. Uh, by that, you may say, well, that first that first. Uh, Point what I was. You know, if you were saved as an eight-year-old child, uh, you were, praise the Lord, you weren't saved out of out of a jail. Uh, you weren't saved out of a, a life of of a felon. But the most stupendous part of a testimony is not what you were, but what God did. And that's the same for all of us. We all have a wonderful uh, testimony. But a testimony is a Webster's definition of a testimony is a a solemn declaration or affirmation made for the purpose of establishing or proving some fact. Such affirmation is in judicial proceedings may be verbal or written, but must be under oath. A testimony differs from evidence. A testimony is the declaration of a witness. 
And evidence is the effect of that declaration on the mind or the degree of light which it affords. So we use the word testimony in a lot of different ways. We'll give a testimony of God's goodness to us. We'll testify, try to establish the truth of, of something that God's done for us in our life. And we'll ask for testimonies many times in church. If anyone has a, a testimony, uh, and many times we'll give a testimony of God's goodness to us. We'll uh, declare, we'll establish, we'll prove the fact that, that God is good by declaring what he's done for us. Uh, we'll use it in terms of having a, a good or a bad testimony before the world. Uh, we'll use it to, to describe our testimony of uh, salvation. Uh, baptism is a testimony, a public testimony of what a believer has experienced. A, a public testimony of, of the gospel. And if you've, uh, if you've heard Brother uh, Philippos' testimony of how they, they baptized in, in India, where they were at, and uh, that it was very public. Uh, it was the whole church uh, marching through town uh, with those being baptized at the head of the procession. And they marched through town, and everyone knows here's the Baptist church, and they're going to be baptized. And, and these people here that are in the front of the line, they now declare themselves to be Christians, and they're going to be baptized. And so everyone knew. <laughs> Everyone knew that these people now are, ought to be different. They ought to be changed. It's a testimony. Uh, the word itself is used in about 73 verses in the Bible. Turn back and look at, look at Exodus 25. About 31 of the times that the word is used in the Bible, it's used in reference to the Ark of the Covenant. And we'll see why here in Exodus 25 and verse number 16 is is describing, he's going through here and describing that the ark would be made and how it was going to be made. In verse number 16, it says, And thou shalt put into the ark the testimony which I shall give thee. So you're going to put in the testimony into the ark the testimony which I'm going to give you. In verse number 21, And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. Well, what was that testimony? Well, we, we know the Ten Commandments were there uh, placed in the ark. What is that? That's God's declaration, his affirmation of truth. He says, you're going to put that in there, my testimony, you're going to put my testimony in the ark, and, and that's why it was called the ark of testimony. If you look to Deuteronomy chapter 31, Deuteronomy 31, and look at verse number 25, it says that Moses commanded, actually let's start with verse 24, and it came to pass, so Deuteronomy 31 and verse number 24, and it came to pass when Moses had made an end of writing the words of this law in a book until they were finished, that Moses commanded the Levites which bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, saying, take this book of the law and put it in the side of the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there for a witness against thee. 
For I know thy rebellion and thy stiff neck. Behold, while I am yet alive with you this day, ye have been rebellious against the Lord, and how much more after my death. But Moses said, you're going to take this book of the law, you're going to put it in the side of the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, that it may be there for a witness. It can be there for a testimony. I'm glad that God has given to us his testimony. That we have the word of God, we have his testimony, and God, which cannot lie, gave us this testimony. We can trust every single word within the pages of God's word. It is his testimony. He cannot lie. He cannot lie. The Hebrew or the Greek word translated testimony, translated as testimony, is translated as witness. It's translated as report. It's translated as uh, record. That This is the record uh, which we have. Uh, we, we find it in the verb form. We find it in the noun form uh, many times. And uh, just in the New Testament, we have it in all the different forms over 200 times. Uh, this concept of a testimony of a, of a record. And the key component of the gospel, according to John, in John 20, verses 30 and 31, He says, And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. John was giving testimony that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ. He said, I could have written a lot of things, but what I've written, I've written some things down. I'm giving you a testimony that you can believe something. He's giving forth evidence, and that the evidence of that testimony will result in receiving Christ and the gift of, of eternal life. Uh, John, in his, in his gospel, throughout his gospel, gathered many different witnesses uh, concerning Christ. We won't look at all these different references, but uh, John the Baptist is described as one of those witnesses, one of those testimonies that, that John is gathering. Uh, Jesus himself uh, is described as a witness, a testimony uh, to that. The Samaritan woman in John 4, verse number 39, is a testimony. Uh, God the Father uh, testifies concerning the Son. Uh, the Scriptures testify concerning the Son, and all this John is, has throughout his book. Uh, the crowd at Jesus's, or at, uh, when Lazarus was risen from the dead, uh, that crowd was a testimony to who Christ was. Uh, the Spirit is described as a testimony. The disciples were testimonies. Uh, John himself, he describes himself as a testimony. Uh, the works of Christ are described as a testimony. And as we consider a testimony this morning, we're going to look at three different things. First of all, what is your testimony? What is your testimony? And uh, secondly, what is the testimony of others concerning you? If they were to testify lay forth facts about you and your life, what is their testimony? And maybe most important of all, what is God's testimony concerning you? Because we see that God testifies to some things. So first of all, this morning, considering what is your testimony, in Acts 1, verse number 8, the Bible says, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth, Jesus said, ye shall be witnesses. That word witnesses is from that same word of one that would, would give a testimony. 
one that has a testimony, one that has a, a declaration that's for the purpose of establishing truth. And we are called to be witnesses. We are called to testify. What is it that we are to be witnesses of? What is to be our testimony? In John 3, verse 32, it says, What he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth. And no man receiveth his testimony. But very, just a plain, easy determination, what he hath seen and heard. It's the same, if you go to the court today and you're going to testify, uh, they don't want to know what you heard someone else see. They don't want to know what you heard someone else say as far as what they, they heard something say. So you're just, it's hearsay. <laughs> they want to know what you heard. They want to know what you saw. They want your testimony. If they want to hear about someone else, they'll call the other person to give their testimony. But when you stand before the judge, he wants to hear your testimony. What you've seen, what you've heard, not what someone else saw, what someone else heard. In Acts 4, verse 20, uh, Peter said, We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. In Acts 22, verse 15, Jesus speaking about uh, to Paul, says, Thou shalt be his and heard. What have you seen and heard concerning Christ? When you consider those, what, what you were prior to salvation, and then what God did, and then what you are now, uh, you're testifying what you've seen and heard, what you've experienced God do in your life. And it truly is amazing. What God's done in your life is absolutely amazing. That you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, that's amazing. That's amazing. What have you seen and heard? What were you before Christ? Who were you before Christ? What did you hear? What did you do? And then what did God do? What changed in your life? How are you different today than you were then? All that's part of your testimony. That all that is part of, of what you've seen and heard. And when Jesus says that you should be witnesses, listen, that's part of it. It's a simple thing. He's not asking you to do something, to say something, to be something that you're not. It's a simple thing of just telling what you've already seen and heard. You do it all the time. You came in this morning, someone asked you, how was your week? And if you did anything more than just say, fine, where it was good, and if you described what happened, if you described those that visited you, those that, things that happened, the meal that you ate, the places you went, things that happened, you are being a testimony. You are testifying to the to the truths that happened in your life this past week. You didn't sit there, you weren't under consternation. When they asked you that question, you didn't start, start shaking your boots because you just didn't know how to answer that. No, you know how to answer that. It's a very simple thing. You can go and ask any child here what they did yesterday. Marcia, is Marcia in here? Marcia, what did you do yesterday? Anything interesting? Remember what happened here at the church? 
her birthday. Amen. And she can tell you probably lots of things that happened yesterday. Why? Because she was there. She doesn't have to worry about trying to make something up. She just has to tell you what happened. Who was there? What she had to eat? What kind of cake there was? What kind of presents were at her birthday party? It's just, just a, it's, an, it's a simple thing. And so why do we try to complicate it so often as adults when we're, when we're witnessing what Christ has done for us? But listen, our testimony, if you were in a court of law as a witness and you gave testimony that conflicted with a whole host of expert testimonies, your testimony wouldn't stand. They can say, well, you're saying this, but it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> I mean, all these expert test- witnesses came and, and they say what you said is absolutely impossible. You're testifying that, that the sun turned into a giant horse and that it was running around the moon and that it was spitting out fire. <laughs> well, expert testimony says that that's not possible. It didn't turn into a horse. So you can testify that all you want. It's not going to be accepted. Listen, your testimony... If, you te- if your testimony, if you're going to describe how God saved you, we've heard some, Kim and I have heard some strange testimonies <laughs> uh, from some people. Dreams that they've had of prior to their birth <laughs> that they were flying on unicorns and things and saw, saw them, saw their lives and saw this and saw that and, and how God showed them things. Listen, that testimony does not agree with Scripture. If your testimony is that God saved you because you were sprinkled as a baby, listen, your testimony does not line up with Scripture. If your testimony is that you've lived a good life and you've always tried to do what was right, you've always been faithful uh, to church your whole life, you've always given faithfully, listen, that testimony does not line up with Scripture. God's testimony does not, cannot lie. His testimony is true, so if your testimony contradicts his testimony, your testimony is wrong. It's false. You can testify that you've prophesied in God's name and in his name has cast out devils and in his name has done many wonderful works. You'll be, you could be in that group where God says, listen, I never knew you. You can testify that I've always believed. How many have heard that? As you witness to someone and they'll say, well, I, I've always believed. Listen, your testimony doesn't line up with Scripture. But God says in the Scriptures that salvation comes through repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. If your testimony does not agree with God's testimony, your testimony won't stand up in the day of judgment. So it's important that you examine what your testimony is. What, truly, what is your testimony? What is it if you are going to declare what God's done in your life, if you're going to declare and witness to others of your testimony of salvation, what is it? Does it agree with Scripture? When you stand there in that day, what will your answer be? What will you testify? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, Except ye be reprobates. That word reprobates is those that, would, that are tested and found liars. 
Someone that would give forth a testimony of one thing, but that testimony is, is, is tested. It's other evidence put up against it and is proven to be false. That's reprobate testimony. Examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Listen, the Bible does not condone the idea that you ought not, never to examine your salvation. You ought never to question your salvation. Listen, the Bible tells us that we need to prove our own selves. We ought to examine ourselves. Listen, your eternity is at stake. Is at stake. Isn't it not worth it to make sure that your testimony is in line with the, with the Word of God? Is it not foolish for someone to examine their testimony and find it wanting, but because of pride, they're willing to say, well, I'm not going to say anything. What will people think of me if, if I've been a church member for so long, this many years, I've, I've, I've given this testimony for so long, that if I now say that that testimony was false? Listen, who cares? <laughs> What matters? What, what's God's testimony? We'll look at that in a little bit. But that's what matters. Are you confident in your testimony? Or when you tell others that you're saved, is there always just a twinge of doubt? In 2 Corinthians 1, verse 12, Paul said, Our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly to you word. He speaks of the testimony of our conscience. Listen, when you tell others that you're saved, does your conscience bear witness of that? Or do you have a, a twinge there that you just keep trying to silence, keep trying to, to put aside? Listen, don't put it aside. Don't cast aside, examine yourself. In Isaiah 59, verse 12, it says, Our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us. Listen, Abel, as you look through the scripture, as you read through 1 John, 1 John is, John is just laying out testimony after testimony after testimony of what God says a true believer is. Listen, do your sins testify against you that what John is saying in your life, they just don't line up? Listen, how important it is that your testimony line up with the Word of God. Don't go on in life trying to push that aside because of your pride, because of what others will think. Listen, make sure your testimony lines up with God's Word. Secondly, what is the testimony of others concerning you? If we had on hand this morning a written testimony concerning your life, your claim to be a Christian, what would others have seen and heard? What would they say if they're going to testify about your life? You say, well, does it really matter? In 3 John verses 5 and 6, said, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness to thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after godly sort, thou shalt do that bore witness of their love. 
They could testify of the love of, of those believers. He said they bore a witness of it. In verse 9 and 10 of 3 John, he says, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, which loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, priding against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither, neither doth he himself receive their brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. That's a bad testimony. <laughs> but verse number 12 says, Demetrius hath good report of all men, and of the truth itself. And we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. He said, Demetrius has a good testimony. Diotrephes has a bad testimony. Listen, it, it does matter what other people see in your life. It matters. In Colossians 4, about Epaphras, Paul says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God, for I bear him record that he hath a great zeal for you and them that are in Laodicea and them in Heropolis. Paul is giving testimony concerning him. He, he gave testimony when he says he's, he's always laboring fervently for you in prayers. He's a servant of Christ. He, he salutes you. He's, he says he was giving testimony there, but then Paul very clearly says, I'm going to bear a record on his account. I'm going to stand up and proclaim very clearly about who Epaphras is. I'm going to bear a record of him. In 2 Corinthians 8, verse 3, uh, Paul, speaking of the churches of Macedonia, he says, For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves. Paul could stand up and, and testify concerning the heart of those churches of Macedonia their heart for missions, their heart for the evangelizing of the lost. And others could testify. They, they saw and they heard the kind of churches that they were, those churches of Macedonia. They saw their zeal. They witnessed their zeal. They heard their zeal. And they could stand and bear testimony to that. Listen, what kind of a testimony does our church have? When others testify of... This church, what do they hear? They hear good things. Others have heard testimony uh, of us and they've heard good things. But you know what? They've also heard bad things. There was a, a missionary, uh, I won't go into all the details. He's never been here. But the reason why he never was here is because of a testimony they heard about Cornerstone. Was it a, a proper testimony? In some respects, probably. I think it was. Maybe in other respects, not. We need to be careful as a church what our testimony is. You need to be careful as a believer what kind of a testimony you have. In Acts 6, verse 3, when the elders were speaking to the church there at Jerusalem about 
those that would be deacons, those that would serve in that capacity, they said, brethren, look ye out among you, seven men of honest report. They need to have a testimony. In verse, Acts 10, verse 22, about Cornelius. It says, they said, Cornelius, good report among all the nation of the Jews. Was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear words of thee. These men came to, to Peter and said, listen, Cornelius has a good report among the Jews. He had a good testimony. In Acts 22, verse 12, speaking about Ananias, it says, Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there. Listen, these men lived lives that others, when they testified what they saw and what they heard, it was a good report. It was a good report. If we had testimonies from, from your banker, that looks over your monthly transactions and sees where, where you spend your money, where your money goes. What kind of a testimony would he give? If all, he just testified of what he could see, and he's looking through your bank records of what he could see, what kind of a testimony would he give you? What kind of testimony would your coworkers who hear and see when you're under pressure? When you're late for a deadline, when you're confronted by uh, unreasonable expectations from your boss or your superiors and, and they see how you talk, how you react, uh, what you say once the boss leaves the room, what kind of a testimony would they give you? What would your family, if your family who sees your private life, what kind of a testimony would they give of your life? The checkers and the baggers at at uh, Costco or at Sam's Club or at Walmart. How will they testify concerning the things that they're putting in your bag? And someone says, hey, listen, you need to give a testimony concerning this person that bought these things on this day that came through your line on this day and, and they could go back and look at the receipt and say, oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, I packed this bag. <laughs> yeah, I packed these things in there. What kind of a testimony would they give? What kind of a testimony do they give when something is supposed to be 50% off and it doesn't come across 50% off? And, and how do you respond to that? <laughs> those driving ahead of you on the road, those driving behind you, when you're at the light and the light turns green and the person in front of you is on their phone, the person behind you, what's their testimony of how you respond? <laughs> what's their testimony of you? What report would they give you? Mechanics and carpenters and plumbers and electricians that you hire. What's their testimony? Will they testify that, yeah, yeah, I worked for him? Yeah, I put some things in for them and, and they, they try to cheat me out of this and try to cheat me out of that. They expect me to do this uh, for free. They try to be deceitful about this and try to get this part for free or that service for free. And I mean, I did it and they, they got the job done, but yeah, I don't, I don't think I'll, I'll go back to their house. What testimony? If these same people heard your testimony, would they believe it? 
In 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5, Paul said, Our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Paul said when we came and preached the gospel to you, it wasn't just in word. He said, but because of the manner, how we lived our life, because of the manner of men that we were when we were among you, the gospel came also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance because of their testimony. Listen, your testimony among men will affect the gospel. In 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 10, it says, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all of them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. When Christ returns to be glorified in his saints, to be admired by believers, what kind of admiration will they have Will others have of Christ because of your testimony to them? Your testimony is important. How others see you is important. We can understand when James in James 2, verses 20 through 26, we can understand James appropriately when we understand that men look on our actions. They don't, they can't, they don't see our heart. They don't see your intentions. They see your actions. So when, in James 2, verse 20, when he says, But wilt thou, O vain man... Wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by his works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only." Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way? For as a body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. We can understand where James is coming from when we understand the importance of your testimony. When others look at your life, will your faith be justified in their eyes? Will they hear about your faith and say, yeah, I, I believe that? Well, that, that makes sense now when I see his life, when I see how he reacted here, how she reacted there. They're Christians. They believe the Bible. Okay, that makes sense because of how they responded. Or they would say that, you know what, something doesn't line up. <laughs> they say they're, they're, they're Christians. They go, they go to church. That guy goes to church. You're, you're kidding me, right? You're joking with me that they're churchgoers? <laughs> what are you talking about? That makes absolutely no sense with what I know about their life. That makes absolutely no sense at all. What a sad, sad testimony. Number three, what is the testimony of God concerning you? Would God testify that you are, are his child? Acts 15 verse 8 says that God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost even as he did unto us. There, those around Cornelius, those that, that, that uh, heard the gospel and filled the Holy Spirit, what was God? God knew their hearts. God testified to them that these are my children. 
In Romans 8, verse 16, it says that the Spirit itself beareth, beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Do you have the Holy Spirit bearing witness with you that you're his child? 1 John 4, verse 3, Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. Well, how do we know he's given us of his spirit? Because his spirit bears witness with our spirit. What's his testimony concerning you? John says, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath, not, hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. John's pretty clear there. If you don't believe God's testimony, if you don't believe God's record concerning his Son, you made God a liar. You're calling God a liar. And you don't have the witness of God in your heart. Would God testify that your life brings glory to him? Turn back, if you would, to, if, if, you're, if, if you left Hebrews, if you turn back to Hebrews, again, Hebrews 11. Think back to Job 1 when Satan was walking to and fro. And he came before God and God asked him what he was doing. He says, I've been walking to and fro among men. And, and God said, have you considered my servant Job? Hast thou considered my servant Job that there is none like him in the earth? That was God's testimony concerning him. There's none like him in the earth. A perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. What a testimony. In Job 2 verse 3, now, we'll get to Hebrews 11 in just a second. Job 2, verse 3, The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil, and still he holdeth fast his integrity? Although thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. What a testimony. When bad things happen in your life, what is God's testimony concerning how you respond to that? What's his testimony? In Hebrews 11, again, verse number 4. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. And by it he being dead, yet speaketh. Listen. When God testifies of you, when God's testimony of you is, here's my child. Here's my child that no matter what happens in his life, he's, he's, he's my child. He follows after me. He honors me. He glorifies me. What a blessing that is. That kind of a life, long after that life is dead, the testimony is still alive. Many of you today are, are affected by those that have long since gone. And their life doesn't affect you right now, but their testimony does. Their testimony affects you. How is your testimony? Most importantly, how is God's testimony concerning you? How does your life as a member of, of this church affect the testimony of this church? Just as Christ in his earthly body bore testimony through his works, we as his church, his body, We've got to be bearing testimony of him. 
He is to be head over all things to the church. We are his body. Ephesians 4 verse 13 says, Do we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? Is that the kind of life that we're living, that we're growing in Christ, that through every single member of this body, this body is testifying of Christ? Testifying of who he is, testifying of his goodness, testifying of his greatness, testifying of his worthiness to be served, testifying of his worthiness to be loved. That no, no matter what circumstances come our way, he deserves everything about who we are, everything about what we are. He deserves our lives because of who he is. Do our works testify of that? Does this body testify to Christ? How is your testimony this morning? Who were you? What has God done for you? And, and how have things changed? How have things changed? If you're truly saved, things will change. <laughs> Ephesians 4 says, speaking of all the, all the things, how we ought not to be living, how the lost live their lives, and Paul says, but ye have not so learned Christ. The grace of God teaches us some things. Our life will, will, will change. Godly sorrow, godly repentance changes lives. God changes lives. The power of God in your life will change you. How is your testimony? Let's all stand together this morning and